0: So what are we drinking today, Matthew?
1: Whatever Rachel mixed for me.
0: It's a mule. But it's Uh, a mule with gin instead of whatever a mule normally has in it.
1: uh, Yeah, I don't know. I know a Moscow mule is vodka.
0: Yeah, so vodka. But
1: it's just a mixed drink with ginger beer.
0: Yeah, but it generally has vodka in it.
1: Mm. Not
0: gin. So this is a juniper mule. Because gin is made from juniper. So gotcha. it's gin, gin, ginger beer, seltzer, splash of cranberry juice, couple lime wedges, splash of lime juice, and seltzer to cut the ginger because we got extra hot ginger beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So welcome back.
1: Welcome friends. back, friends.
0: It's time for another episode. It's our. Third to last In the Flesh episode? I was like, it's not penultimate once the one that comes before penultimate, but I, I couldn't think of it. But it's season two, episode error four. penultimate. Yeah, the pre-penultimate? The pen penultimate?
1: Error pen, penultimate. E-R-E apostrophe.
0: Oh. The error, like before? Okay. Yeah.
1: I like get you. Error before... yesterday is the day before yesterday. All right. Fine. It's fine.
0: I, I will concede this. We're just going to do this before we forget. Hi, I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm Matt.
0: Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. wild month. I hope everybody's been enjoying the In the Flesh season. We will be back to our regularly scheduled programming starting in August. July. The
1: programming schedule is updated.
0: Yeah, but we'll be back to like a this is what you can expect from here on out. Yes. Yeah, so we'll be doing our Come in 81 Kilo, which will be coming out on its own stream, so our Forever Night episodes will be back. Uh, Feast, Sheath, and Shatter has gone to a bi-monthly at least bi-monthly. If we get excited and release more, we might, but we won't release any fewer than a bi-monthly schedule. And that's bonus for,
1: episodes.
0: That's for Feast Sheath and Shatter, which is formerly known as Book Talks with Kate. And the Strange and Beautiful Book Club will be back to our movie episodes, but we will be adding in book and movie episodes. And I had hoped to do more movie episodes this month, but this month has and I don't feel like this is exaggerating. Kicked our asses. Matt just nodded emphatically. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad that I've given myself a whole month. I think I might just make it in a month.
1: For the nine episodes?
0: For the all the big moving around. Oh, yeah. 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 And the infrastructure.
1: All the infrastructure
0: changes. I think I might just make it. Maybe. Hopefully. I will. I'm going to do it. I'm going to yeah. do it. I'm
1: going to do it. And but, we're still taking a long weekend for our surprisingly large number wedding anniversary.
0: Yeah. This is our 15th wedding anniversary.
1: Happy anniversary, honey.
0: Happy anniversary. And you know what we're doing? Talking about a BBC zombie show on the podcast we started <laughs> together. It's really exciting. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be doing a podcast with anybody else.
1: To, except for Kate.
0: I mean, like I wouldn't (laughs) I wouldn't have started a podcast with anybody else. Okay. How about how about that? That works. How about that? Okay. I'm trying to tell you I love you. Would you quickly get a joke out of it? I love you too. Okay. So back to In the Flesh. (laughs) I love how this episode starts. So we start out and it's Amy at home and she's like sitting at the end of the bed and you don't quite see her face. And she's wearing a robe. Oh
1: yeah, it's real like dreamy and like dreamy. gauzy. Lots and it of turns white out light.
0: this is actually a dream. It's Philip's dream.
1: Oh Philip.
0: Yes. Because Amy is like, Philip, I just can't stop thinking about you. I want you so bad. I want you to touch me. And Philip's like, Okay, yeah, tell me more about that and she's like, Philip, teach me how to give you pleasure. <laughs> Wow, Philip. Oh, Philip. Philip's having a, a uh, wet dream about Amy. And his mom wakes him up because there's a visitor. Why does everybody sleep in twin beds?
1: It's England. Do uh, we space have... is at a premium.
0: I get, uh, that's a huge assumption.
1: <laughs> people are bigger than they used to be. So modern people have to fit into the smaller space that the ancestors lived in. So- <laughs>
0: Wait, wait, wait. So, what you're saying is the population of England hasn't changed, but the dimensions of the people in the population have increased so Both. greatly.
1: Both. Both. The average size of people in general has increased. I guess, okay, Western civilizations, Europe and America. Okay. Although in China, the effect has been pretty pronounced over the last thirty years. There's a whole big thing called the China Study. This like longitudinal study; they do stuff every few years. Um, Yeah, uh, body like height is increasing. Okay. Like year over year. No, I'm listening. And uh, and then you hit some threshold, and then body weight. Does the same thing.
0: So, what you're... Okay, hang on.
1: That's why if you go to really old cities, like coastal New England. Okay. Historic buildings. Right. The doorways are all short. Well, for me. I'm I'm about 17 hairs under 6 feet. And... Yeah. There are some doorways in like old school New England that I have to duck to get through.
0: And we don't think this is structural or material.
1: Uh, it's mostly a nutrition during youth.
0: Okay. I meant like thing. structural, like your wall is stronger. Oh, no. No, the doors the were sized for smaller. people okay.
1: of the age. Gotcha. And, and there were this, people.
0: How does this relate back to twin beds? Okay. Okay.
1: The bedrooms. Are sized proportionally to the size of the person. Okay. So if the average adult male was like five foot six, like 150 years ago when these buildings were built, Mm -hmm. and now the and now Philip is like six foot or six foot one, the room is pretty small. The only bed that you could fit in a small bedroom. And still have room to move around is a small bed. Okay, and so now you have modern-sized males, male human beings around like five ten, average height. Philip's a little big, bigger than average. So Amy says, and. So, (laughs) So his bed looks really small. The bed is small for him. Yeah,
0: I just, the twin beds throw me off every time. Like an adult person sleeping in a twin bed. It could be infantilizing. It could be like these people still live at home. You can tell because they don't even have a big bed.
1: Our daughter wants a twin bed.
0: Well, only because she wants more floor space in her room. But you know what I'm going to. For
1: activities. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay. All right. Fine. Well, the twin bed. We're going to table the twin bed discussion. Yes,
1: it it is. Um, we're going to put it, it, it on the shelf. Incongruous.
0: We're going to put it on the shelf next to the airspeed velocity of an unladen vampire in the Forever Night universe of an
1: underwater vampire. A water speed velocity <laughs> of an underwater, <laughs> underwater vampire.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. We're just that's it. See it on the shelf. Whoop, I just stuck it.
1: Listen to our Forever Night episodes for context. <laughs>
0: Um, and then we cut to actual Amy, and she's looking through the kitchen, and there's nothing in the cupboards or the refrigerator. And She's like, what, am I the only person who lives here? And so finally, she opens the door, and there's granola bars in the cupboard, and she starts to eat a granola bar, and then she's like, whoa, wait, wait, what, what the, the fuck? What
1: the fuck am I doing?
0: I don't eat food. And she spits it out like, ugh, gross. People food.
1: <laughs> Do they have garbage disposals in old English villages?
0: I don't think you can make generalities about anything where anybody lives. It's not like they live in, they, they actually occupy like the Stone Age or something. Like they can go out and buy a garbage disposal. If you
1: live in a modern suburb of Los Angeles and your house was built in the last 10 years, you're probably going to have a garbage disposal.
0: Look, you can install a garbage disposal in anything. So my but thought But it's not
1: recommended if you have a septic tank.
0: Okay, all right. They don't have a septic tank. Uh They don't. They're sure? in row housing, I'm sure. Okay, they're in row housing to start with. There's not room for a septic tank. We don't know if their land is percol percolable. We don't know if it's pos- percolatable. Percolatable. We don't know if it's possible to have a septic tank. If we're going to go off English television and whether or not they are often portrayed okay, about- Hey wait no let me finish whether uh-huh. or not they are often portrayed as having a garbage disposal in British television there is a Being Human episode where the garbage disposal keeps getting stuck keeps getting jammed
1: Is that after or before they move to Wales
0: That is before because it's before Amy realizes that she is clogging the plumbing in the house Gotcha Okay so not Amy Sally Seth
1: so- Or Sally's the English, the American version. American version. Well, the ghost character.
0: Wow, her name just... Annie. Annie. Shit sticks. Her name just fled my... I
1: really like the Annie character. Yeah,
0: Annie was a good character. Anyway, back to the... Yeah, she spits the granola bar in the sink. That's why we're having this discussion. And it feels like the day for having off-topic discussions, so I need you to focus, okay? Well...
1: Focus. I, I, I want to make a couple okay. points. No, go. Okay. All right.
0: Get them all out. Let's get them all out. One. Yes.
1: She spits it into the sink.
0: Indeed she And does,
1: does not clean it up. No. And in retrospect, that's not really an issue. No. Because nobody's using the sink anyway. No.
0: Nobody's drinking. Nobody's washing dishes. Unless they wash out their apple cider vinegar.
1: That That's true. Yeah. yeah. And... As a reference point to the technological implementation in, in Rorton, this is taking place in 2013. Yep. Nobody has a smartphone.
0: It's sort of a stunted 2013.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, probably no garbage disposals.
0: Well, it's not like garbage disposals were invented in 2009.
1: Well, they were invented a lot earlier than that but
0: her grandmother could have put in a garbage disposal in the 80s and she could still proportionally
1: to the time of this show and the time of invention of certain things
0: let me ask you a question you could say let me uh, ask you a question can i ask you a question how important to the plot overall is it that amy has a garbage disposal or does not have a garbage disposal
1: it's Does relevant it? to how automatic it is.
0: For her to spit in the for sink. For
1: her to spit solid food into the sink.
0: Okay. This could have been a filming decision because then she wouldn't have had to interact with a trash can. We can keep her face all at about the same plane. Okay, if she but just that spits still
1: it has plot implications.
0: Does it? Do it we absolutely. reference this granola bar being in the sink again?
1: No, and that's okay. part of the problem. Okay.
0: Well, can we can we move on? Because of
1: the insects,
0: can we can we move on?
1: I bet the no. Can I partially dead syndrome going, sufferers really have to worry about insect populations in their domiciles?
0: Okay, so the next thing that happens is uh, Henry's mom. Is the one who's at Philip's house. I'm just dis- disregarding all of that. Okay. So Henry's mom is at Philip's house. She, he, she is the guest. God, you got me so far off. Okay. She is the guest that is at Philip's house.
1: Mission accomplished.
0: <laughs> because Henry is still missing.
1: Oh, no. And
0: as far as she can tell, nobody gives a shit.
1: Um, As far as... All of the characters that have responded to the knowledge that Henry is missing, actually, nobody gives a shit.:
0: I know. And you know Which what I like really about? Sad. You know what I like about this show? Nobody is taken in by the poor attempts at deception of the other characters. So like when Simon used Kieran as a way to get the key, Kieran knew it immediately. Love it. And Maxine talked to the mom last time. And remember, she was like, oh, well, what, what were his memories of the rising? And the mom was like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, this time she's like, listen, I knew that Maxine Martin was lying to me and I don't want to talk to her anymore. I thought she was going to be the one who was able to help me. But instead, she lied to me and I don't want to talk to her. Every word that she said since she came here has been a lie. And you're like, Wow. Good job, Henry Lonsdale's mom, for picking that up mm-hmm. right off the bat. She's like, Mm-mm, "That woman is full of shit." I want to talk to somebody. I want help, and I want Philip to help me. And
1: because Philip's like, "Philip grew up next door." Oh,
0: yeah, Philip's like, "Yeah, oh, you know what? I'm gonna, um, yeah, I'll talk to Maxine about that. Like, maybe today. I don't know. It could be tomorrow." And she's like, "Listen, I need you to talk to about." talk about my son at this very important meeting this very important meeting that is coming up today we have to talk about him and philip doesn't say anything but um his mom is eventually like she'll do it i'm familiar
1: with this a mother of some type volunteering you (laughs) for some activity (laughs)
0: Yeah, but this is life or death. I mean, this is a child well, yeah. that's gone missing. This is a little the, bit different. To than be fair, then Matt, this can is you purpose, come over and fix my sink?
1: Instance of yeah. getting volunteered by somebody else to do something,
0: right? And then we immediately go to the PDSR at the like rec hall, the town hall, the the civic center, where everything appears to happen, and they are having a training seminar. So Dean is trying to train the mother in law oh, of B and B lady. And he's like, Okay, now you shake my hand and so she shakes her his hand and he's like, Oh, cold. I'm scared. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, no, 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 follow the script. And she's like, I'm sorry. I am a PDS sufferer. It is not my fault that my body temperature is low. I have had my neurotriptyline within the last 24 hours. Like they have a prescribed script that they have to go off of when they're interacting with the To calm the populace. Yeah. He's like, you're trying to keep me from being scared. And he ends up giving her a six out of ten. He's like, and you know why you got that six. And then she goes Dean to Dean is sit down. not
1: the person to be training people.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't hate Dean. I don't hate I, Dean in the way I Dean hate Gary. Dean is
1: on a an ascending trajectory.
0: Yeah, Dean is just...
1: Character arc-wise. I,
0: I don't think Dean has the wherewithal to be aware of his impact. I think Dean is just happy to be of use. Right. And I don't think Dean necessarily thinks through all the implications I think he's just happy to be in charge of someone,
1: but he's not self-centered.
0: Yeah, it's not. He's not deliberately malicious. He's just ignorant.
1: Yes. Yeah. And willing to be educated.
0: He's also willing to be um, led around. Yes. To be told what to do. Yeah. And I think that's Dean. Dean, to me, just feels like a neutral entity. He is clay to be shaped. He is not villainous in the way that Gary is villainous. Fucking Gary. Fucking Gary.
1: Fucking Gary. Especially this episode. Oh,
0: God. I almost Somebody's
1: fucking Gary. Ooh,
0: don't. (laughs) Please don't. I can't. Okay. So they're getting a stamped card for having attended today. And Kieran's like... What happens and when Karen, I get all the stamps? Karen
1: Kieran calling bullshit on this whole thing.
0: Yeah, he goes, what happens when I get all the stamps? And he's like, oh. You well, get then to fill you up- have
1: all the stamps.
0: Yeah, and you get to fill up another card. And if you fill up all six cards, you get a day off to the seaside. And Karen's like, hey.
1: Oh, God. A fun day trip.
0: <laughs> six stamps and you get a day trip? So what's that, like every two months? Because I think every card has like six to eight stamps on it.
1: More than that, I was, my recollection is something, it looked like two weeks worth or yeah. more.
0: Yeah, so Kieran's basically like, this is bullshit. He knows Probably bullshit.
1: each card is a fortnight.
0: Could be two weeks. Yeah. But Jem is back on patrols because her mom is sitting there untangling, bunting for the village fate. And she is sewing a new ribbon on her vest because it's time for her to start patrolling again. And her mom's and like, And this is the replacement
1: oh. for the HVF. Yeah, armband. which we're
0: gonna find out about at the very important meeting. Yeah, this is a replacement for the armband. She's and her mom's like, Oh, I thought we were um I really thought we were all done with that. And Jim's like, oh no, it's a new thing that started up again. This is giving Jim context. Jim doesn't want to give this up. This is purpose.
1: This is a safe space.
0: This is a safe. This is something that's familiar. She knows about it. She knows how to operate in this space. This space, space makes sense to her. This is what she did during her formative years, and this yep. is what she wants to keep doing. And now that Gary gave her a super hot bracelet, and Gary's going to be the one driving her around, this is uh, this is starting to look pretty. Pretty good. But then Philip is on his way to work. And he feels the call of Ishtar. (laughs) He's like, do I have time? Hmm. I have enough time. I think I could get one in. I think I really could. And so he goes over to the brothel and goes in.
1: Oh, to be a single young man living with your mother. At, with no expenses.
0: Oh, so you can afford this? So sex all worker of your money time?
1: is disposable income.
0: Yeah. Well, he goes and he goes back to be with fake Amy. Um, on his way to work, and remember last time there was a woman with a camera. Well, she's back, and she's still filming. And this time, she's taking notes about who comes and goes. Yep. And then Kieran is getting ready to leave. We're hopping around as much this episode as we did last episode because we still have all of these disparate.
1: Right. But we're tying things up some loose ends.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're kind of, I don't know. We're, you we're, know at least,
1: we're at least like significantly progressing plot lines.
0: Yeah. Nothing felt like it was left dangling. Everything felt like we were moving forward through the plot line. So at this point, Kieran is getting ready to leave. And his mom's like, well, are you coming back? We're having like a special Sunday lunch, a family dinner. We're having a special family Bring dinner. Bring someone. Bring somebody. And his dad's like, oh, you getting an early start at work? And he's like, Dad, it's not a start if it's not going anywhere.
1: Like he's getting paid. Yeah. and he's, Like he's up for promotion.
0: Right. And his his dad's like, oh, so like regular work then.
1: Ha, 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 ha. ho, 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 ho.
0: No, no, it's not, no, it's not the same. And poor Philip has fallen asleep. Whatever he did with fake Amy must have been um, satisfying in a way that uh, allowed him to drift off into a dreamless sleep. And uh, maybe, probably, he's going to miss the VIM, the very important meeting. And then we cut back to Simon, our PDS Charles Manson. (laughs) Matt's taking a selfie. I'm
1: I'm trying.
0: If you just do the regular camera, it will work.
1: Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Switch it around. Come on. Come on. I can do this. Uh, Oh, it auto... Zoomed out? What?
0: So we go back to our PDS Charles Manson, Charlie Manson, with his increasing number of uh, avid followers. Mm, He's looking a little cult leader.
1: He really is. He's giving off that vibe. You know
0: what I think is most unsettling about Simon's character is up until now, he's been very two-dimensional. Yeah, it's been very
1: obvious what he's up to. Yeah,
0: he is as two-dimensional as the Vicar was. This element of chaos in the plot that is forcing the other characters to sort of swirl around it without having any real dimension itself.
1: Right. He's, He's a node in the plot.
0: And I do think we remedy that this episode, for which I'm very thankful. But up till this point... No, Simon is just this like looming thundercloud on the horizon. Right.
1: All of the signals, the the most nuanced thing that he's been doing is sending signals to Kieran. Yeah. That he's interested in, in him.
0: Right. Which because in a he's relationship not relationship kind of because way. he's not a three dimensional character feel contrived. Right. Feel manipulative.
1: But then he actually does something that would undermine. His other activities,
0: right? He does get to mention this episode, but we're not there yet because right now, he's getting everybody to tell their rising stories as an effort to
1: because he's doing the same thing that Maxine is doing,
0: right? Because we are all looking for who was the first risen in Roarton, and since every single giant fucking neon sign is pointing at Kieran, my guess is it is not Kieran.
1: That is a very skeptical perspective, honey.
0: Well, I am a very skeptical person, you are. honey, and I'm often right. So this is where I'm going to hang my hat, and we will see if I'm right or if I'm not right. But this meeting is happening. This very important meeting is also happening. So Charlie Simon Manson is having his PDS meeting, but Maxine is also having her meeting, and this meeting is progressing Without a certain Philip.
1: Ooh, yes, we've focused on Philip's chair. Yes. Quite significantly.
0: And what they are announcing at this meeting is the creation of the Rorton Protection Services, which is just the human volunteer force with, with another name.
1: With different funding.
0: It's basically like when a Karen asks for the manager and you just turn around for a second and then turn back, and you're like, okay, how can I help you? This is the acronym equivalent of that. It is not <laughs> the HVF. It is now the RPS, the rebrand of the HVF. And they are going to set up a community watch, but also a reporting service. So if you see something, say something.
1: Like they say at the airport. If you see something, say something.
0: Right, but in a more nefarious context. Yeah. Because immediately somebody's like, well, should we say something about that brothel then? The PDS brothel? And Maxine's like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Can you please repeat that? The living with the dead? She is as grossed out about that as we are about Gary and Jim, which is saying something. And the recording lady, oh, they mention the brothel at the meeting. And then Philip comes out. Philip wakes up and he's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Why didn't you wake me up? And she's like, well, you were sleeping so peacefully. And he's like, God damn it. So he runs to leave and the recording lady is there and she spits in his face. And she's like, your reckoning is at hand. I'm going to get you. And he's like, oh, shit. So he runs off to go to the meeting. Um, And meanwhile, the meeting is still going on and Maxine is stirring up the living. Her mask is slipping big time. It's desperation days for Maxine. Whatever she needs to have happen, she needs to have it happen. So now she's been laying the seeds. She's been getting her fingers into all of the aspects of the town. And now it's time to start really calling everybody, frothing everyone up against the PDS and Roarton. And that's what she's doing. And in the midst of all that, poor Henry Lonsdale's mother stands up. And she's like, but what about Henry? What about my son? My son is missing and none of you give a shit. You can't even muster the energy to pretend to give a shit that my son is missing what if it was your son what if it was your child and no one cared and no one was looking and no one would even admit that he ran that he didn't run away that something happened to him And Maxine is behind her and she's like, we all know Henry's missing voluntarily. He left to go to a recruitment thing or whatever. And Henry Lonsdale's mother is like, every word out of your mouth is a motherfucking lie. And I don't want to hear it. You are poison. And I don't want to hear one more word out of your mouth. I mean, credit to Henry Lonsdale's mother. She could have been. They were setting her up to be this. Volatile but ineffective character. We were talking about how Henry was telepathic. Henry had powers. She was being set up as this hysteric but ultimately unreliable, unreliable character. And we have really shaped her into like a guilt, a force for guilt. a force for saying out loud, the quiet part. The "He is still a child, he is missing. And just because of what he is, you all don't care. And that makes you guys the monster, not him. And ultimately, she gets silenced. Because the tidal wave of hate is too high. And we cut back to Simon and Kieran. And Simon and Kieran are having a talk after the meeting, because Simon just wrapped up his meeting. And Kieran has matured in a way that I am 100% in support of. Hopefully. We have gone from a character that could not say what he thought to save his life to being able to communicate effectively his feelings to everyone around him. And I am 100% behind this because he's like, listen, Simon, you could be cool. You could be so much. You could be amazing. But this whole Messiah bullshit you've got going on, it's not great. It's not a good look on you. And I don't like it. And Simon's like, this isn't a deliberate mask. I don't have this. This isn't a mask. This is who I am. He's like, it's a mask. And I know it's a mask. And it's not working on me. And I don't like it.
1: Please stop.
0: Please stop. Whatever this conversion thing you're trying on me right now, it's not working. It's making me want hate you. And I want to leave. And Simon's like, I, I'm sorry, like I don't know that I'm doing it. I'm not doing that on purpose. I'm just trying to be with you. And he's like, well, then you need to figure out who you are when you're not the guy in front of everybody giving the sermons. And once you figure that out, I'll be with that guy, but I'm not going to be with the other guy. And so Simon's like, heard. Thank you, Karen. I hear I will you. try
1: things your way.
0: Yeah. I I For hear you. what you are saying. I, I get it. I have wrapped my entire persona up in being this disciple of the prophet, the undead prophet. And I have forgotten who I am without the context of the undead prophet. And I understand that. And they are about to embrace over this moment of mutual realization when Amy shows up. And she's like, oh, hi. You guys you, are not. You
1: guys are not allowed to argue.
0: Yeah, you're my best. Friend. You're both my friends. You're not allowed to argue. You have to get along. And she's in there to get something, but the jar she's holding is already full. Their apple cider jar is already full. So he's like, "What are you in here for? Your jar's full." And he's. She's like, "Oh my gosh,
1: you just refilled that half an hour ago."
0: I'm so sorry. I didn't. I didn't even realize. And she leaves. And. Again, Kieran is the character I wanted him to be because he's like, listen, Simon, I don't want Amy to find out because she walks in on us kissing. I want to tell her. I want to I want to sit down and talk to her because she's my friend. And I I don't want this to be something that comes between us. I want this to be something that becomes a thing that is mutual understanding. And so I'm not going to do this right now because I need to tell Amy first.
1: Right, where Amy wants the three of them to be friends long-term.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Kieran also wants the three of them to be friends long-term.
0: Right. And so he's looking forward to the future as like, I can't give up the friend I already have for the boy toy that I think I'm going to really like. Like, I'm not sacrificing my friendships for you, which is the sign of healthy emotional maturity. That this is going to hurt Amy. Amy. And I want to make the hurt as low as possible. I can't take away the hurt because she believes a lie. And that's not on me. That's on Simon. But I'm going to be the one that lets her down easy. And I think that's really mature of him. There's no better way to go around this. Except, I mean, he could avoid Simon entirely, but then we're in a noble idiot situation. Right. And that doesn't. Because Simon's never going to be with Amy, so he'd be giving Simon up for nothing.
1: Right. You can be in the noble idiot situation, Or you can be in the cheap conflict because close people are hiding things from each other.
0: Right. And I think it's very notable that this show very rarely falls back on the cheap conflict. Just like the previous episode where we could have made Amir the bad guy and we didn't make Amir the bad guy. It's really easy to drive viewer sympathy for Freddie by making Amir despicable. But instead, you create a situation where it's like, these are real people. They're making real choices. You don't have to feel strongly about one character or the other. You don't have to feel like Freddie's the bad guy. You don't have to feel like Amir's like the bad guy. Because in a lot of real life situations, there are no bad guys. There's misunderstandings. There's miscommunications. But there's nobody actively trying to be a bad person. And if there is, that's a totally different interaction. That's an entirely different. That's a horse of another color. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we go back to Philip because Philip has arrived late. So late, he missed the very important meeting.
1: It's all over. Phillip. But
0: he ends up getting off because, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> he ends up getting away with it because Maxine thinks he missed the meeting because he promised his mother he would talk about Henry Lonsdale at the meeting. And so she thinks it was a clever way of him avoiding having to deal with the Henry Lonsdale problem. It wasn't. He was off hanging with fake Amy. But Philip's like, dodged that bullet. Until Maxine is like, I am authorizing you to be aware of sensitive information. And I have a source that has seen Henry at a recruiting camp. For the Undead Liberation Army. And I want you to tell Henry Lonsdale's mother that you've seen him there.
1: I don't remember her phrasing it quite so carefully. Yeah. She's definitely implying that I am making this shit up on the fly. And you are to parrot what I say to the Lonsdale family. Yeah. To get them to shut up. Yeah. Here's what
0: I want you to tell them. Right. I want you to tell Henry Lonsdale's mother that I had a source who saw him at a training camp. And Philip's like, okay, who's the source? And Maxine's like, no, 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 you misunderstand me. You don't know what we're actually talking about here. And Philip's like, who is the source, Maxine? And Maxine's like, Philip, I thought you wanted to be in politics.
1: Why aren't you, you picking up on this quicker?
0: I'm putting it down. I need you to pick it up. And Philip's like, I don't wanna pick it up. It's dirty and it's gross and it's gonna get me dirty. And I wanna leave it right where you said it. And Which, she's like
1: kudos to Philip.
0: I knew I was gonna like Philip. I mean, fuck Gary.
1: There were there were two potential plot lines for Philip. Yeah. One was the the sheep who just Quietly does whatever he's told to do. Right. And he becomes a an easily despisable character.
0: Another Gary.
1: Another Gary. Yeah. But a um like Gary is still proactive. Yeah. In pursuing what he wants. But this plot line for Philip would be. He doesn't even do what he wants. Right. He's only there to for other people to push around. Right. And the other plot line for Philip is for him to have some principles and for him to remain the kind of innocent, naive character. I just want to change the world character. Politics. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he actually tells her there are limits, aren't there? Like there is a line, isn't there? And she just says, Philip, I thought you wanted to get ahead. I thought you understood what I was trying to do here. And she gives him. She's like, listen, we're having a protest at the brothel. You have until you meet me here to go to the protest to get your shit together and decide whose side you are on. And that gives you five hours. So go home. Think about it, decide where you fall. And And the implication
1: is if you side with me, your political career will continue. And if you don't, it won't.
0: I'll ruin you. Yeah. And then we go back to Gary and Jim and they're flirting, and I can't even talk about it. It's so gross. So fucking gross. But then we go to the crazy blonde PDS lady. She was the one who was talking to Freddie in the previous episode, and she's basically like, "I'm gonna make Simon proud. I'm gonna do it." And whoever she the guy that she's with,
1: the guy that she's with, is the one who Simon was really pushing on when Kieran showed up earlier. Yeah, and he was skeptical about Simon. And about the things Simon was talking about. Right. And about the, the real improvement in either quality of life or experience or whatever that would come from you know, cleaning off the makeup. Right. And so he's like, wait, this isn't a good idea. But I'm still here with you because right. you're important to me. But I, I'm i politely disagreeing with you.
0: Right. And then we have a moment after that where Philip has gone to Lamb. The lady's name is Lamb, Miss Lamb. And she's he's going to try to get the tapes, but Maxine has beat him to it. And so Maxine's like, yes, please, get those tapes together. I'll be back later to pick them up. So happy to see you. Talk to you later. And Philip's like, shit. And then we cut back to Jem and Gary, and they are on patrol. And they are on patrol in the woods where, they, where she killed Henry and where he burned and buried Henry's body. And when she gets out of the car, her pants are about to fall off. Did anybody else notice that? They're bizarrely low.
1: Yeah. Her jeans. I don't, I don't
0: It's it. like they were like, well, she's only going to wear this it for like was two months, episodes, a, so whatever.
1: a mishap. Or a costume flop.
0: Well, she's got some kind of like heavy vest on and I think either the vest or the gun belt that she's wearing was pushing her jeans down. So she's probably so tiny they couldn't really find a good size jeans for her, and then it was only going to be such a small amount of time. It's like an equilibrium at the very end when he's got the sword on his belt, mm-hmm. and the sword's not actually attached to his belt. He's literally just holding it at his hip because the amount of screen time that it was going to get wasn't worth the effort, right. Of the attaching it to are the belt. These all just cosmetic. Yeah, but they're going on patrol in these woods, and Jem's like, Psh, "I can split up. It's fine. I'm like i I'm a badass." Well,
1: yeah, she she volunteers to split up because right. and he's like, they can cover okay. more territory that and way. And you
0: kind of want to like Gary because he's being really attentive and nice. But at the same time, he's being attentive and nice about patrolling and killing people. <sighs> and he's still, you know what? I'm still fucking Gary. I'm still team fuck Gary. I I am. I really am. Because she loses it. She loses her shit. She thinks she sees Henry's dead body. She screams. She falls on the ground. And he shows up and he's right there and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. And then he takes her out for a drink to help her calm down.
1: And then some people volunteer to pay for their drinks. So they get loaded.
0: So what we're doing is rewinding to a time When they were HVF and they were important and people respected them and treated them like heroes. Yep. Yep. And what do you get when you self-identify as a hero?
1: Okay. To quote Hobie, a.k.a. Spider-Punk from Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I'm not a hero because calling yourself a hero makes you a self-mythologizing narcissistic autocrat.
0: Fuck Gary. Yeah, that's exactly. And fuck yeah, Hobie. And fuck yeah, Hobie. Fuck yeah, Hobie.
1: Have have you seen Across the Spider-Verse? Who's your favorite character in Across the Spider-Verse? Are you asking me? And why is it Hobie? (laughs)
0: Like, I've not seen it, you know, I haven't seen it. Oh, you're asking the universe in general. I'm asking the the viewers, the listeners. Go on our Instagram, comment on any post. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, and then we get a really at this point, honestly, I am living for the Amy Phillip
1: interactions.
0: I mean, the rest well, of it's okay. interesting. The so rest the, of it's good. The
1: Amy Phillip relationship is still hanging on. Which direction is the Phillip character going? Right. Is he going to like cave on his principles? Yeah. To pr- um is he going to cave on his personal principles simply to progress his political career? Or is he going to hit that line that he mentioned to Maxine yeah. and hold it?
0: And hold the line. Which is he going to do?
1: So I if la- I didn't know which way this was going to go.
0: No. If last episode was Freddie's Day of Reckoning, this episode is Phillip's. This is Philip's episode. Other stuff is happening, but this episode is about Philip because Philip is now the one whose whole life hinges on a decision, on a single decision. Whose side is he on? He loves Amy. He thinks he loves, he loves the idea of Amy. He also loves the idea of being in politics. And ultimately, at the end of the day, which one will he choose? Not that giving a, he has to give up politics, but in the immediate future, right. it's a he's, short-term loss.
1: He's he's got his foot in the door with yeah. politics, and Maxine implies that if he cooperates with her, things will go well for him. Right. He does not have his foot in the door with Amy. He had his foot in the door with Amy in season one.
0: Right. And then and he then was like don't he tell pulled anybody his I slept foot with you. back. Yeah.
1: And well, he kicked
0: her and then he pulled his foot back. Yes. Yeah.
1: And all of his interactions with Amy so far this season have been negative.
0: Right. So
1: we're kind of projecting this uh they're doing a very good job of projecting this uncertainty about what decision is Philip going to make.
0: Right. We really are, but in this moment, like F- Amy is there seeing Philip's mom about her symptoms because her symptoms have continued. And she gives her a new neurotriptyline plus, which it turns out is not actually that different than neurotriptyline regular.
1: It's um, just got some anti anxiety Yeah, it's not as in
0: anxiety it. inducing and it leads to better sleep and blah, blah, blah. But it has basically the same ingredients. And then they hear Philip cussing because Philip has burned himself on the toaster. And Amy has a Because fun-
1: he's so consumed with this life choice. He's at a... Uh, crossroads. Yeah, he's at a crossroads. Yeah. And he's his attention is c- consumed by which direction is he going to go. Right, and because he's just trying to get... His toast to stay in the toaster, and the toaster is not cooperating. <laughs> and so he uses the percussive trustable shooting method and hits it, hits it, yeah, and then burns himself
0: and burns himself. And his mom and Amy show up at the door, and his mom's like, Um, Philip, UK. And Amy's like, I get like that about my clock radio.
1: I had a clock radio once, and I let it get out of line, and you know. It didn't last long.
0: Yeah, I had to hit it and then I had to leave it alone for long periods of time during the day. <laughs> 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 and then we cut back to Simon and Kieran because Simon And
1: I I think oh. this moment was a little bit endearing to Amy because since since Philip kicked her and she closed the door. Yeah. Every time she's interacted with Philip, he has had this mask up with the intention of impressing her.
0: Right. And this was a very real Philip moment. Yes, Yeah.
1: She got to see the real Philip. Right. For a moment. Yes. And that was, oh, like it was nice to get a sneak peek behind the mask of anybody, right? Yeah. But in particular, this person that you used... At one point, you had a relationship with.
0: She was attracted to him enough to not have a relationship necessarily, but to have a physical moment with him. And so maybe there is some potential there. And we haven't been exploring it, but I think this opens the door a little bit. But we immediately cut to Simon and Kieran. And Simon is putting on makeup for Kieran.
1: Because Kieran invited him over. For, for a fancy lunch. lunch,
0: yep. And as they're leaving, they share a kiss because Kieran is thankful to Simon for compromising on this, yes, so that he, he could do he something recognizes that recognizes the
1: sacrifice that yeah. Simon is making. Yeah,
0: because this was important to Kieran, and Simon was willing to not toe his party line for just a minute so that he could share this moment with Kieran in a way that made it meaningful for Kieran. Right. And Amy sees them. Kissing right, as and,
1: careful as they have been, yeah, to not let Amy see them. It's they're just walking through town, yeah, and Amy happens to be at the same road, yeah, just down the road. And I a think different this intersection. this
0: really puts to bed the idea that Amy was complicit in this. I think she really thought that Simon loved her, or at least that there was a potential for Simon to eventually love her. She right. knows Kieran won't. Because she knows Kieran's not attracted to women. And so there's that tension is not there for her. She can just enjoy their friendship.
1: Right. It's it's the will and grace tension.
0: Right. But she didn't know Simon. She didn't know Simon would fancy Kieran over her. Let's put it that way. And so she's, she's I mean, she's quietly upset about it. But with a lot of um, maturity. Not screaming, not yelling at everyone. But just like... Dang, there's a missed opportunity. I guess I'm not going to get that one. Now, who will love me? Kind of a thing. And then we go to Philip at Mrs. Lamb's, and he talks his way in the door. She's the woman, remember, that was filming him going in and out of the PDS brothel. Right,
1: who he grew up next door to.
0: Well, no, this is Mrs. Lamb. This is the different lady. He grew up next to Henry Lonsdale's mother. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so he's like visualizing killing her. He's looking at all the things that he could use to kill her. They do
1: a really good job of conveying what his attention is focused on in the room. And it's all items that have a lot of weight. Yeah. And would be good blunt instruments.
0: Right. And he does end up exiting with the tapes. And for a moment, we think he's killed her. But no, really, he told her he was... Trying to convert the people in there. He was doing outreach. Yes, when
1: it's like two to three minutes later, we cut to his mom and Mrs. Lamb shows up and just starts blathering to Philip's mom about how good and sweet Philip is. And she really appreciates... His efforts to redeem the lost or whatever.
0: And here's another moment where we really could have had a character be willfully ignorant. And I really think Philip's mom knows what's going on with Philip 100%, 100% of the time. Oh, yeah. She knows he's been going to the brothel. She picks up on that right away, and she absolutely does not judge him for it. She's like, he needed connections, and he found it. she
1: sees the PDS sufferers as actual people. Right. She interacts with them on a more intimate level than pretty much anybody else in this town. Right,
0: but she doesn't judge him for seeing a sex worker. She doesn't judge him for going to the PDS broth, that that they're PDS, none of it. None of it invokes any kind of a judgment from her. It's just like, oh, that's what Philip's been up to.
1: I can see why, given his... I don't know, position in the membership in this town. Yeah. He doesn't quite fit in with the machismo. Right. You know, club that you normally almost require to, you know, have some kind of physical relationship with an intimate partner. right? Right. And so he's very much excluded from a lot of that, that like a, teenager would get. Yeah. And, okay, now here's here's this opportunity right. for him to actually explore that and have a physical intimate connection with somebody. Yes. And good on him for doing that. And
0: I like that none of her acceptance is the performative type of acceptance, where she doesn't confront Philip. She's not like, I know what you've been doing, Philip, and I'm okay with it. Right. She just... Leaves open the opportunity that if he ever wanted to discuss it, he could, but she doesn't force the discussion on him right. when he's and not s- ready. We see
1: some emotional bids from her yeah. to invite him to talk about things. Right.
0: But when he doesn't, she doesn't press the matter because but, okay. when you're truly accepting of somebody, it's not a performance. It doesn't require that they know you are accepting them.
1: Right. You, you don't You communicate them... the invitation. Right. But the other half of that interaction is up to the person that you're inviting. Right.
0: They are not there for you to check a box. They are not there. Your acceptance is not like a form you're filling out that you get to check all the boxes and then you get a gold star. You just do it as part of being a kind human being. And that also recognizes the agency and emotional maturity of all of the people around you including the people that you are quote accepting so the fact that philip required anything for her to accept it she doesn't put any of that emotional burden off on philip right she doesn't outsource any of that to him she internalizes all of that is like i see philip for who he is i accept him for who he is i don't need anything further
1: than right. that right i have conveyed an invitation for him to reciprocate right he, for him to disclose that to me? Yes. When he as an autonomous sovereign individual decides that he wants to communicate that to me. Yeah. And and that's the box to check. Right. I have done my part in inviting someone into a reciprocal relationship. Right. Into a, a disclosure. Of you know, private information, but I'm not pushing that.
0: Yeah, I'm not pressuring them into feeling like they have to in right. order to earn my acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. And in stark contrast to that, we get to our singularly most awkward and difficult section of the entire episode. And that is when Kieran takes Simon to Sunday lunch.
1: I and really at first, I really like this scene.
0: Oh, this scene was tough.
1: This scene, there was so much tension here.
0: Oh, And my they God. just pulled it off. It was so fucking good because Simon and Karen are there. They're eating with their parents, his parents. And Jem arrives at home, and Jem has brought a well, guest. Well, hold on.
1: Even before Jem arrives, yeah. you can tell... How hard Simon is trying, yes, to fit yes. in for Kieran.
0: This added all of the nuance that we needed in this character. If we had a two-dimensional character in this episode at all, if it you was were Simon. at all
1: skeptical yeah. about how dedicated Simon was to convincing Kieran that he was all in for Kieran, yeah, this was it.
0: This was it because this he,
1: should get rid of all of the skepticism, right?
0: All of the criticisms that Kieran made earlier about how Simon couldn't turn off his Charlie Simon Manson persona. He is trying to turn it off. He's trying to just be personable. To have a moment, he compliments Kieran's dad's jeans. He wears the makeup. He's sitting at the table. He is ch- he is doing all of the things that he needs to do to make Kieran feel. Like he is trying to support the way of life that Karen has chosen. And that is when we get Jim and her guest.
1: Fucking Gary.
0: Fucking Gary. And Gary is on peak fucking behavior. Because first, they're making out outside, which is... Huah, so and fucking And
1: they're pretty drunk.
0: And they're pretty drunk. And they walk in to this room... And sit down at this table. And now we have two members of the HVF. Now the RPS. And two PDS sufferers. And these poor parents. And everyone at first is just trying to act like it's all okay.
1: Right. Kieran's parents have the normal level of... I am bullshitting myself to... I'm bullshitting myself that everything everything's great. Everything is as it always has been. The family dynamic is going good. Whatever. They they have like skill level 2 yeah. out of 10 on maintaining the level of interactions amongst the family members and occasionally Gem kind of tosses things up to a level 3. Right. And then Gary and Jem come in and suddenly it's like level eight.
0: Right. Because Gary immediately starts sharing a funny story about this time that he and Jem killed a bunch of PDS with like whatever right, was Gary in the bathroom.
1: gushing about how much of a badass Jem is.
0: And how she shot all these dudes in the head with a cult. And,
1: and stabbed a guy through the oh. eye with a pole.
0: Matt literally was watching this and he goes, wow, Gary, like, oh my God, what is happening? This is so hard to watch. And then when Gary finally wraps it up, Kieran's like, I got a story. I, I would to like
1: it. to tell a story from my own perspective. Yeah,
0: you get to talk about the war. I get to talk about the war. At
1: the same uncomfortable uncomfortability level yeah. as you just told.
0: And this is oh my god, chefs perfect, perfect. Kieran has absolutely matured in the way that I, as a viewer, and I, as someone who, if I had created this character and they growed in this way, I would feel like I had peaked. This is perfection, mother fucking perfection, because he gets the opportunity to answer Gary, and he does. He's like, when I first woke he up, it was all dark in
1: kind and overdoes it.
0: Yeah, he's like, let me tell but you about a, when I woke in up in a
1: righteous way.
0: Right, and he tells him about like I woke up and at first it was dark and I didn't know what was happening and I didn't know where I was. And then I realized I was in And a it coffin. was rain. And I like I yeah. crawled, I clawed my way out. And I finally got above ground, and all I heard was the clock chiming midnight, and it was just me. And the rain was falling, and I was hungry. And
1: there was nobody else around. And
0: I was so hungry, and I was just ready to get started. And the dad's like, Kieran. And he's like, What? Oh, Gary gets to share his funny stories, but I don't get to share my stories, Dad? Fuck you. And Simon's like, wait, Karen, can you tell me the hot part about how you were all alone when you woke up again? <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> he's like.
1: About how ding, you ding, were ding, the ding, first ding. risen.
0: Yeah. Oh, can, can we talk about that again? Can, can you tell me the part about how you were alone and it was just the clock timing and it was raining and there was nobody there? Because I think I found the first risen. And he's so excited. But honestly, this was a moment for Kieran because he was like, You all are pretending like this is okay. You all are all pretending like shit hasn't hit the motherfucking fan and it is spraying directly in my face and nobody else's? And I am tired of it. I'm tired of you telling me that if I go every day to the PDS scheme, I'm going to have management potential. I'm tired of you comparing this to your job like it's in any way equivalent and like I'm not actually physically enslaved. I'm tired of you all pretending like I didn't want to go and have a better life and that chance was taken away from me. And I'm tired of you pretending like this thing between Jem and Gary is OK because you think Gary an OK guy because of what he did during the war. And I'm fucking tired of it. And I'm leaving. And he does. Mic drop. (laughs) He's like, I am done. And I loved that moment. Loved that moment. And meantime, some other shit has been hitting the fan. Because Maxine went back home to the B and B lady and she was trying to watch a video that Mrs. Lamb had recorded for her. And wouldn't you know the episode she was trying to watch cuts off in the middle?
1: Oh, and there's something recorded over it.
0: Because she recorded something over it. So even though Philip got all those tapes, he missed one.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
0: And guess who's on the tape? I'll give you two guesses. Philip. And also, crazy PDS lady Zoe, the blonde lady with the beanie, and her sidekick have gone to the clinic and freed the PDS sufferers who were stuck in the cage. And they set off the alarm and just as they're leaving, the nurse lady arrives on her bike. And I thought this was really interesting because when she walks in there, one of them is using the spray can. Yes. Yeah. So we are like... One
1: of them is holding the spray can. How mindless
0: are there? Well, are hold they? on.
1: They've they've been given The The doctor mentioned before... That they are sedated until the neurotriptyline starts taking effect.
0: Oh, okay. So they're waiting for...
1: So they've been getting their neurotriptyline doses gotcha. for, I don't know, two, maybe three days.
0: Yeah, however long it's been. Right. Yeah, because that, for, that one guy brought that it in and I get the feeling it's probably when, like a yeah. couple weeks. Yeah, because that one guy brought, got brought in when Kieran was at the clinic last time. Yeah. Yeah, not the time that he came, but before the PDS scheme.
1: Yeah.
0: So I don't know. Anyway, nurse lady got killed. She was oops. Oof. Not great. Not great. And it was because of Simon's followers. So not great. So after that amazingly awkward exchange between Gary and Jim and Kieran oh, and, and Simon. I,
1: I really liked how Kieran's mom got up to go get something from the kitchen. And then his dad was like, I'll I'll just give her a hand and then simon simon's mask drops yeah he locks eyes with gary and he's like let's keep it civil while we're here yeah let's okay not... so i don't have to take you down again <laughs> and gary's, and gary's like, like uh okay
0: cool it's cool maybe that's why gary did the dick measuring thing because simon was right, like let's because, keep it chill because cuz
1: once the parents were around yeah then he knew simon Was trying to keep it on the level. Right.
0: He recognized a a place. He recognized a situation where he could reassert his dominance.
1: Right. Where he could break the expectations in a safe way. Yeah. In a way that
0: he thought wasn't going to get him. Wasn't going to blow back on him. But I don't think he thought Kieran was going to do what he did.
1: Right. I don't think. And I think Kieran keeps breaking everyone's expectations. Because this whole time, Kieran has been... The overly sensitive kid who just like runs away from his problems.
0: Right. I mean, he ran away in the most you can run away. Way. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so he has that reputation. Yeah. But Kieran can could not give a shit about <laughs> his reputation at this point. No. He's gone he's, he's, done he's with grown that. beyond that.
0: Right. And then we get to Philip has finally re-arrived back at the Civic Center because his time is up, and he's got to tell Maxine what he's decided. And Maxine's like, "Funny story. I watched a really interesting video earlier.
1: Let me show you. Let
0: me show you." So she puts the video on, and it's Philip going into the. Well, brothel. at first,
1: it's the end of the mystery. Or it's part of the mystery episode, yeah. and then it like fuzzes out. They, they've like photoshopped this af- afterward. It's okay. It's, <laughs> it it it's fuzzes okay. out yeah. and switches to,
0: oh, it's a
1: camera view of the sidewalk.
0: Interesting. And so Maxine's like, well, given, given this new information, I think, um, I think you're about to go tell Henry Lonsdale's mother all about the source, the secret source that told you where Henry is, aren't you? And Philip's like, I guess. So basically, she's and, going to blackmail
1: Philip. But she keeps laying it on. And then, I really expect to see you at the protest tonight. And maybe you'll have a few words to say yeah. at the protest.
0: Yeah. How much else are you going to give me? How much else am I going to be able to get out of this? Because right. how badly do you want to hold on I'm to I'm just going to keep
1: dropping hints. Right. And then I'm going to pay attention tonight. And see how much you work to fulfill those hints that I've dropped.
0: Right. Yep. And then we cut to Amy. Amy's at the graveyard seeing her Nan's grave. Because she really just had kind of a shock. She had a moment. She had something happen. And she doesn't have anyone. We know that she,
1: she has a history of going to her Nan's grave Right, and and just talking.
0: Honestly, she doesn't have anybody else. She doesn't right? have a family in the way that Kieran did. She only had her nan, and her nan and we, died the year after we, she did.
1: Yeah, we paused it here. They all died in the year 2009. Yep. And we can see the date on her grandma's tombstone. And we thought, oh, no, like, how close did her grandma die to the cutoff? And and it was like
0: July. six months later. It's July of 2010. So she died after Amy, but not so close that they rose together. seven
1: months after Which is
0: really sad. But she hears the protest at the brothel, and she ends up meandering over there. And that's how we get her over to the brothel, because she needs to be there for the next scene that's about to happen.
1: And in the meantime, Philip has gone to see Mrs. Lonsdale.
0: Yeah, and Mrs. Lonsdale is like... Philip doesn't even say anything. This is why this show is so good, okay? The fact that these characters are all awake. They are all aware, and yet we are still able to progress the plot forward is fucking amazing. We have not relied on any kind of cheap narrative conflict in the way that I was expecting us to.
1: Right. Because we, Philip we doesn't have the grown-up who gr- Who, as a child, lived next door to this lady. Yeah. And and now here he is, full grown, getting into politics. He's doing all the political bullshit, whatever. But she's like, we're going to cut through that bullshit. I know you. Yeah. I know I've seen you your entire life. Literally, I've been watching you. From my window. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we do your you and know, yeah.
1: I know you never went along with any of that performative macho BS that all of your peers did. You never participated in any of that because your values are so important to you.
0: Right. You're a serious, you were always a serious little boy. Right. What she that says.
1: line is still there that line that you mentioned earlier, Philip. Right. And I'm making you look at that line right now. Yep. And I'm asking you to stand on my side of the line. Yep. And and then we cut it off.
0: Well, she tells him, listen, I know what you're here to tell me. I know what Maxine wants you to do. And... What you're going to do is give me false hope. If you tell me he's at a training camp, then you're telling me he's still alive. And I don't believe that's the case. I think that hope is cruel. Giving this me situation. hope is cruel in this situation. Because the only reason Maxine would be working so hard to tell me that Henry wasn't, was alive and to get me to quit looking for him was if he was dead. So I just have to accept that he's gone and that there's nothing that anyone's going to do about it because of what he was.
1: Maybe it's Mrs. Lonsdale. That's a psychic.
0: Maybe. Because Philip doesn't even have to say anything. She just pats the couch and he sits next to her.
1: We cut it off, maintaining the ambiguity of the choice that Philip is going to make.
0: And he tells her, all I need is, she tells him, all I need is some truth. All I've been hearing are lies, and all I want you to do is tell me the truth. Right. Can you do that, Philip?
1: Right. And at this point, Philip could then, you know, play along with this sincerity, this invitation that Mrs. Lonsdale is giving him. And if he like executes it well, he could say, Yeah. He's at the training camp. Right. And Mrs. Lonsdale could believe him. And if he does it, that cements his political career success. Yep. Or he says, You're right. Like all of your intuitions are correct. Maybe you are the secretly seeking, seek, blah, 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 blah. Maybe you are the secretly psychic Lonsdale. <laughs> maybe that's where Henry got it from. Yeah. And, but if he makes that choice as the serious child that Mrs. Lonsdale has always perceived him to be, he won't be able to hide that decision from himself like he has been. Yep. And He's going to have to follow the alternative path. Right. And And, so we still leave it ambiguous. Yeah. Up until he's walking up to the brothel.
0: Which is good. The show does a good job of that. Cutting you off at a moment where you don't feel... They're
1: really maintaining the narrative tension.
0: Yeah. You don't feel contrived, but it definitely keeps the tension going through the episode. Because then we are back at the brothel and they have raided it and they're bringing all the employees out and everyone's shouting at the clients and the clients and everybody and everybody's shouting and Philip arrives and Philip goes in front of them with the megaphone and he says, and I thought this was really interesting is we need to stop pretending that we were ever pure and maybe we have to pretend that they're bad so that we can pretend that we're good.
1: Wow, can you hit that home harder?
0: Want me to repeat that? Maybe we have to pretend that they are bad so that we can pretend that we are good. Simply put, but a profound idea. Maybe we need a villain so we can pretend we're the heroes.
1: Come on in, Frankenstein's monster.
0: I mean, wow. Nice moment, Philip. And Amy is like, Oh,
1: mm, he's kind of sexy when he's Hi. Hi, speaking Philip. to his oh, truth.
0: Well, <laughs> I didn't, again. I hadn't recognized
1: you under that mask you've been wearing.
0: And in the end, I mean, they're jeering. They're not listening to him. He's trying to convince them that they're being, they're being the pad guys and they're just not listening. And so he just goes up and he gets in line with the clients. Like you can't actually blackmail me if everybody knows I did it. Right. Suck it, Maxine.
1: Um, who was it I was telling you about? There was a character I was telling. You, oh, in uh, Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive, there was the character Dalinar. I showed yeah. you a video like clip meme about Dalinar. Yeah, and how you know he chose his. Oh, his what was it? His honor. His honor. Yes. Oh, like Dalinar has a nice butt, right? <laughs> but also, his honor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like what? Oh, yeah. It was what's the best thing about Dalinar, Colin? Yeah. And it was like something and then his butt, and then they hand it to the other person, and then the other person writes a third checkbox, and it's like his honor, but then they check his butt.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And where in the story, Dalinar is having this like secret relationship with this woman. right, And... He's always had this reputation for being a super honorable guy. Right. And then someone tries to blackmail him. And he's like, oh, you want to blackmail me by exposing this relationship that I'm having in secret with this woman that I love? Right. Well, fuck you. He immediately walks out and holds, like, a full assembly with his entire army. And he's like, (laughs) hey, everybody, I want to let you know. I... I'm, I'm courting this woman, and love I've loved her, her yeah. for a really long time, and I've been keeping it secret, but it's time to let you all know. Because somebody, this person exactly, was yeah. trying to blackmail me about this, Yeah, but I don't want to hide it. Complete, that, that is how you get around blackmail.
0: Right. You just tell everybody about it. And Kieran and Simon are back at Amy's. Back to Kieran and Simon. They've stormed out of Kieran's house and they're back at Amy's and Kieran takes out his context contacts. Which he, he hasn't He takes
1: out his context lenses. Yes.
0: Which he okay. does he hasn't done yet. Without in front of a mirror where he can see himself. And he starts or where removing his makeup. And he looks over and sees Simon. Simon is staring very intensely.
1: <laughs> oh, Simon is tuned in.
0: Yeah, and so he gets up and starts removing Simon's makeup. Some might call this symbolic. And then we go back to Amy and Philip, which is the best part because they're Philip is drinking I'm at the so bus stop.
1: Yeah, he's chugging this two-liter bottle of hard cider.
0: Right, and Amy shows up and she's like, "Woo!" And, she's and I'm so glad.
1: We are on the cute Amy-Philip relationship plotline. Yes. And not the Philip compromised his principles for his political career And now he'll
0: never have Amy. Yeah. And he'll hate himself forever Mm plotline. Yes. Thank God. Because she shows up and she's pretending to be drunk. And she has a bottle of liquor. And every time she tips it up, she's not actually drinking. Right. She's just tipping it by her mouth. And he's like, "How can you be drunk?" And she's like, "Sense memory? I don't know. <laughs> like, just roll, roll with me, Philip."
1: I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to play along with y- your experience right now. Yeah.
0: Well, first he hears her outside, and he's like, "Who is that?" And she goes, "It's a zombie."
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and she's like, she says, "Oh, so you were, uh, you're hitting the brothel, huh?" And he goes, well, "I was only really sleeping with like one, one girl there," and she, he's like. She says, oh, like one girl there? And he's like, yeah, she reminded me of somebody. You. She reminded me of you. I love you. And Amy's like, okay. Uh, All right. Thank you, Philip, for this moment of um,
1: revelation.
0: Revelation." And then we see Maxine at a grave. We have to cut this a little bit. It's too too chipper. We have to cut it with something. So Maxine's at a grave and she's crying and she's like, not long now. And it's snowing. And it's all very traumatic. But then we go back to Philip and Amy because Philip and Amy hooked up. So he's laying there and she's got her head on his arm and she goes, I'm awake. You don't have to chew your arm off. And he goes, well, I thought you'd be the one to chew my arm off. And she goes, I didn't know you told jokes, Philip. And he's like, oh, I I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And then we end the whole episode with Simon at a phone booth, and he's on the phone with somebody, and he's like, I found the first risen, and he's magnificent. And then who's ever on the other line hangs up, and that's the end of the episode.
1: Two more We episodes. only have two
0: more? Holy shit, we have so much to go over in the next two episodes.
1: But we cover so much every episode. I
0: know. These are great and exhausting, and I'm glad there's only six. I feel like if this was like a 15 to 16 episode season, I don't know where we'd go. I don't know what we'd do. I feel like I would run out of steam. I'd be unable to process any more emotional upheaval.
1: So here's what just occurred to me. Yeah. As someone who's gone through the entire uh, Witcher bibliography yes, and recognizing how much plot there is in all of the Witcher books, I'd love this guy to adapt the Witcher books.
0: Oh. Oh.
1: Actually go deep into the plot and world building versus the... Going heavy into the, like, pretty action-y sequences. Because there's so much more to that world.
0: Yes. There's so much more interpersonal stuff than just, look how cool this guy looks with a sword. Right. And also Yennefer.
1: Right. Yeah, that's what just occurred to me now. Yeah. Oh, to give all of those characters
0: and all of those interactions the same level of nuance and attention to detail.
1: And like realistic personalities, Oof.
0: heaven forbid we have realistic personalities right. on television. shows. They Shit. have
1: like two and a half characters on The Witcher, and if
0: you add them all together, you mean,
1: and one and a half of them are Yaskir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very true, and Geralt's the other one, and then yeah. the rest are
1: just—I
0: don't know—a rope dress and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This guy's... Okay. When we get done with this, I'm going to look him up and see what else he's done. Because the writing in this is superb. The fact that every time I'm like, oh, they're going to zig, they zag. It's fabulous. I love being surprised.
1: Here's what I keep running into. I really hope they zag. I can see a narrative direction going where I would love it to go... But that's the zag direction. And they always zig. they always zig and then they have to spend like two episodes getting back over to where they would have been with the zag, except it's not as good. So whatever. But then this guy just keeps zagging every yeah, time. It's
0: really nice. I get so tired of the post-apocalyptic or like this type of show where you have one nasty male character who has everyone on their side. And then we have the one or two spunky free thinkers who are standing up against him. And after a while, it's just like, I would rather die than watch this plot regurgitated one more time. And we could have so easily gone that way because we are in a very insular setting we do not know what is happening in the world at large. We are only seeing Rorton. It is very much an island narrative. And I think that's
1: a really valuable aspect. It is and of I think narrative.
0: it could have been something that really torpedoed the show. It really could have been something that brought the show down, but instead it makes it feel like we are tackling worldwide globally significant emotional and cultural issues on an in an intimate scale and i think that works fabulously and i'm here for it and i want to know what else this guy wrote so i can watch more of this but i guess we should probably go watch episode five now yeah yeah
1: so speaking of changing the subject (laughs) sometimes (laughs) the strangest things are the most beautiful too
0: So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye.